we talk NFL with Mark Schlereth from NFL and Fox 104.3 The Fan in Denver. Mark joins us right now on the Arizona Sports Line. Good morning, Mark. How are you? I'm doing great. How are you guys? Doing good. Uh, two weeks, you've got to see the Arizona Cardinals up close and personal in your duties for Fox. and Much different looking games uh, and certainly a much different looking second half by the uh, Cardinals. What, what did you see specifically defensively second half wise from the Cardinals against uh, the Giants on Sunday, Mark? Um, you know, I think the biggest thing for me is a couple things. One, the Giants did a few things differently. They really put uh, Daniel Jones in the mix as far as the quarterback run stuff is concerned, mm-hmm. the design run, the boot keep that he scored for a touchdown, which you know ends up stopping some constriction on the run game. Um, but the biggest part to me, and, and that was that you know that's part of it. That's just one more thing that you have to defend, and it's something the Giants really didn't do um, effectively, you know, against Dallas because they didn't do anything effectively against Dallas. So that's that's one thing. But the the thing that I saw that I think probably bothered me more than anything else during the course of, of that game was the Giants are down twenty eight to seven and the linebacking core and the safeties got affected in that second half on a consistent basis by play action. Mm-hmm. And I understand that shutting down I understand that shutting down Saquon Barkley was the number one priority. I get that. But when you're up twenty eight to seven they're not going to beat you at four yards of carry. They're going to beat you over the top. And every time they flagged and flashed that play action out there and showed Saquon Barkley, everybody got sucked up. Yeah. And then the underneath the you know the underneath routes, the low crosses, all those things were wide open for easy completions. The slants, um, all those things became very very accessible to the Giants in their passing game. And so almost by not playing high to low, but playing low to high, um, as a linebacker, you know, getting sucked up there, you should get yourself an extra two yards back and give up a four-yard carry, give up a five-yard carry, but don't give up the 15-yard slant. Yeah, and, and that's the chunks that the Giants were able to get in that game based on just being so focused on stopping 26 that you let – the passing game of the Giants, which has been non-existent, beat you. That's a great point because, and as that happened, it happened in so in you know in such a fast manner that the Cardinal offense kind of turtled and they got conservative. Then you look up, the whole thing got away from them. Had the whole thing not gotten away from them, what might we be saying about Josh Dobbs and the and the growth he took from week one to week two, which you know because you saw both games. Yeah, I mean it was it was incredible what they did in that first half. The way they responded after the Giants took that three uh, that three play touchdown drive, and the way they responded to that, I thought that was nothing short of amazing. And hey, let's face it, I mean I'm not here to disparage Josh Dobbs. He did a great job, but he's he's a he's a backup quarterback that's played for multiple teams in this league for a reason mm-hmm. because that's what he is. Um, but I thought, you know, he's smart. Mm-hmm. Um, he knows where to go with the foot, all the things that you say, you know, all the qualifiers you say when a guy is not a starting quarterback, right? It's like, it's like when you, when you talk about a pitcher and you say, Hey man, he's really crafty, which means that a guy throws pus, right? But yeah, you know, he, he still finds a way to get guys out. Like Josh is a backup quarterback, but two things happened there offensively. Like, Josh became more comfortable. There was more of a rapport with his receiving core. Um, and I think Drew Petson did a really good job of minimizing the play call sheet. 
like really shrinking it down and and saying here's what we know we're good at here's what we've been doing as a team not with Josh Dobbs but as a team since OTA started in April so instead of it being new for everybody let's go back to the basics for the 10 guys that have been here and let's make it simple for the one guy that just got here. Yeah. And I think that's I think that's the thing that they have done or they did in that game that really helped them execute on offense. And then James Connor is a full grown ass man. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the Yarbles. Definitely. Yeah. Definitely. That dude, that dude is that dude is the truck with the uh, clock hanging down. <laughs> Yes, he is. All right. Well, um, you know, last few years, the Cardinals lost their home field advantage many years ago. And excuse me, many years ago. And it kind of locally we understood because there really wasn't much reason to believe in the regime and where it was going. So you kind of got it. It, it kind of seems unfair for this new regime that is producing at a good level early to be saddled with that kind of home field disadvantage that we saw on Sunday where Giants fans literally affected the communication of the Cardinals late in that game. From a player's perspective, and you were a guy that played in some really good markets, what effect does that have on a team? How do you get over the top of that? Yeah, I mean, that it, it's... You know, it's shocking when you're in there and you're calling the game and I'm looking across the field to the opposite side and it's all Giant fans. Um, you know, it's all blue. And, and it is, you know, I mean, I understand that there are a lot of people that snowbird, so to speak, uh, in Arizona. And so they're fans of other teams and um, and they've transplanted there. But it, it was shocking. And it is so hard especially you know when you when you are putting something together for the first time and you haven't had a lot of work together and it almost becomes one of those things where all the options aren't open to you um in third down situations as an offense because you're dealing with crowd noise <clears throat> that shouldn't happen at home um and and yet somehow it 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 does so usually at home that affects the defense Usually at the home, the defense has to worry about hand signals and making sure we're pop- properly aligned and all that stuff because our home crowd is so loud for the opposing the opposing uh, the opposing offense um, that we have to be great at communicators. And for Arizona, it's not a benefit or, or a hindrance to it's a hindrance to the offense, and it's a benefit to the defense, yeah. which is just not the way you expect it to be um, in your home. And there's only one remedy for that be so good that nobody wants to give their tickets to the opposing fans and be so good that, that the, the, the people who are snowbirds who have season tickets can't help but cheer for the home team. Yep. Uh, we talk in NFL with uh, Mark Schlereth here, uh, every Wednesday on Bickley and Murata mornings, moving away from the Cardinals for a second. Um, you know, the, the results haven't been there in terms of wins. The numbers look better so far for Russell Wilson in Denver under Sean Payton, but I'd love to get your thoughts on, on, on where the frustration is with this with this process, or is, is it even fair to call it frustration this early? Oh, yeah, absolutely. Um, there's huge frustration here, and, and it's – I have never, in all my years of playing, in all my years of broadcasting, I have never seen a guy that has been um, – that has had other players feel like they have the freedom to openly bash the player. Like there's, 
player-on-player crime. Like, there's been a brotherhood where, hey, we know it's hard, and we know this league is hard, and so we're not gonna we're not gonna bash each other, so to speak, right? Yeah. And for Russell Wilson, like these guys, they feel no problem about bashing um, about bashing the uh, the Denver Broncos. It's it's insane to me, and and going after him, and it's you know I, I guess he brought it on himself somehow, some way. I don't know exactly how or, or why that happened, but even in New Orleans. Tony Jones, who was here, Tony Jones Jr. was a running back here in the preseason. He's from New Orleans. New Orleans, that we cut him. They picked him back up. He scored a couple of touchdowns. And uh, and Michael Thomas goes, hey, man, you know, Tony Jones comes through. You know, he, he he's balling out of control. He's not in Denver anymore. We moved the chains here, you know, like – like you know, it's again, it's bashing, like openly bashing Russ and the Broncos. And um, it's incredible, but even here in Denver – uh, nobody likes him. <laughs> nobody. It doesn't uh-huh. matter how good he plays, and it doesn't matter the defense is coughed up. Like they coughed up thirty-five points yes. to a, a fifth-round second-year running or second-year quarterback who's his first road start in history, uh, and they cough up thirty-five points to him. It doesn't. It doesn't matter to them. Uh, the Broncos. You know they gave up two drives in the fourth quarter of the Raiders to lose that game up sixteen to ten, and. Uh, and every, it's 100% Russ's fault here in Denver. So yeah. it doesn't matter how good he plays. Unless he wins, um, people hate him here. The, it, the fan base doesn't like him at all. Yeah, that's crazy. Uh, Mark, thanks so much for the time, as Thank always. You, we will talk to you again next week.